the default of democracy. Welcome back to Default of Democracy. This is Nancy Sims. And this is Christian Chamir. We have so much to talk about right now, Christian. It seems that politics is just dominating the day from from international to local in your backyard. So uh, I guess the first thing we should touch on is the U.S. House of Representatives that threw out Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And as we record this, a war is launched in Israel and uh, between Palestine and Israel and Hamas. The U.S. House is powerless to take any action, which means the whole of Congress is powerless because there is no leader. What is going on in D.C. with the Republican leadership? It's kind of, it's very split with the, the different types of officials in office. It's always been that way. Like you said, you've been working po- politics since the 80s. And, you know, back in the day, there was more conservative Democrats, more liberal Republicans. So now we're seeing just a straight one-way Republican, straight one-way Democratic. And McCarthy, in my opinion, you know, I feel like he did what was best for the country to get the bill passed so there wouldn't be a shutdown, which was, it's very beneficial for everyone for there not to be a shutdown. You know, people get paid, uh, services stay in order. And, you know, I feel like the Republicans were just rubbed the wrong way. They felt like it was just like backstabbery and it was like almost a witch hunt to get back at McCarthy. But I think he did, I think he was very selfless in what he did, which is actually surprising to see in politics nowadays because a lot of people wouldn't put their, you know, they wouldn't put their job on the line for the people. Well, and the amazing thing is he did it knowing it might cost him the speakership, which it did. But Christian, when we get down to it, it was eight Republicans Mm -hmm. that cost him his office. And, you know, one thing because of redistricting and the way districts are drawn, there's no ramifications for those eight Republicans. They represent such extreme voters that their voters are happy they threw him out. So we're kind of watching the Republicans eat their own. But right now we have a world crisis with the war in Israel and action needs to be taken. (laughs) And here we sit. And then we can bring it home to the Texas House of Representatives. (laughs) With the the Paxton impeachment, uh, I like to call debauchery because I don't know what happened with that. That was that seemed like the fastest trial I've seen since almost the OJ trial. It was just, you know. In one day, out the next. It was so that was it was faster than the OJ trial. (laughs) I was it was it was actually very surprising to see because even the Republicans, like, what was the point of bringing that up? It almost seemed like the Trump impeachments. It's just happened. You know, they they got them on the charges. We tried to get them on the charges, and they were immediately just thrown out. Well, once again, what we're seeing is an intra-party fight. This is a fight among Texas Republicans. The state House thought what Paxton had done was worthy of impeachment. The state Senate said, eh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. 
And so now the governor's called a special session. Can the House and the Senate come together on the governor wants a bill on school choice, which is basically vouchers for your kids to attend private schools, could cause significant harm to public schools. But also the state just found 14 billion additional dollars they could put towards public education and make up for any loss they might face. But can the House and Senate at the state level find any common ground? Nancy, as we we look back at politics, at these past years, I don't know. I truly do not know what's going to happen. Maybe Greg Abbott can pull his magic. He always seems to pull out his magic, his little magic hat. So we'll see what's going to happen. I think with elections coming so close um, just for a few politicians, I think that they're going to have to come to a common ground. A lot of people are running for, um, we got the city council elections, those type of things. So there's a lot of bills that need to get passed. So I think that they're going to have to come together in order to just better better the community. Because like I said, it's going to rub the community and constituents the wrong way if they just keep lingering and waiting. Because, you know, school just started back up. So a lot of parents, you know, they're going to be upset with what's going on. You know, a lot of children, most most uh, kids are in public schools. So it's not a lot of push for uh, private schools right now. So we'll see in the coming future what's going to happen. Yeah. What's I think fascinating, Christian, is this is Republicans in control in Congress, in control of the entire state of Texas, and they can't get along with each other. They've forgotten who their enemy yeah. is. They have so much power. They've kind of forgotten that their enemy is the Democrats. Yeah. And the Democrats are just quietly sitting on the sidelines watching them all fall apart. But you mentioned something that's most important to you and me. And that is the city of Houston elections, which are what less than a month away now with yeah. early voting starting on October 23rd. I mean, coming right up are early votes. So, uh, and it runs from, it runs from October 23rd until November the 3rd. And then election day is November the 7th. So you still got a little bit of time to prepare. So you got about two weeks into early voting starts and um, just like a week or so, uh, for it to end and then election day is going to be right after that so you know there's a lot of things planned in the community so there's going to be a lot of events as we can see John and Sheila Jackson Lee they're going tooth and nail right now in the political landscape um, things are being uh, brought up like you were saying one of the candidates had uh, one of the mayoral candidates had brought up the John Whitmire money. So there's a a little letter that had came out recently about that. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, Nancy? Well, I mean, I really think it's too late in the process to discuss that. Yeah, we're because less than a month out. <laughs> John has already bought his media yeah. it, with his ten million dollars that he brought over from his state senate account, which some would question is that relevant given city rules. 
That's what the letter says, and it asks the city attorney to investigate. But I think more important are we're starting to see the candidates sling at each other a little bit. I noticed in the last two weeks, uh, Congresswoman Lee has gone after Whitmire, particularly on his record on guns, and pointed out that he had a an A rating from the NRA. Now, John Whitmire has been an actually fairly liberal minute member of the U.S. Senate, but I mean the Texas Senate. I'm so sorry, Texas Senate. And but he has always been tough on crime, and yeah, crime yeah. crime has been his primary point. So Congresswoman Lee has also chaired the Criminal Justice Committee in D.C. and and she's a little resentful, I think, that he gets this image of being Mr. Crime Fighter. And she's going after his record on concealed to carry and various gun issues. And and um, there's a lot of attacks on the gun buyback pro- programs right now that are coming from city council candidates and Whitmire. And so it's it's a uh, it's complicated. We're starting to see this race get a little messier. Yeah, I think with these elections, you always see the the negative type of things coming out real close to elections because, you know, they're trying to just gauge what the community thinks about these different candidates. Um, me and you both, we work with constituents out in the community. We like to hear what they have to say. It's been very split from a lot of voters I've seen out in the community. You know, a lot of them uh, are for John, a lot of them for Sheila. I think we've talked about this a lot since there's like 17 candidates with this mayoral race. It's definitely going to have to be a runoff unless somebody just gets the amount of votes. But I don't think it's going to happen with so many different candidates and from so many different backgrounds. But like we were talking earlier, Miss um, Sheila Jackson Lee, she'll be the she'll be the first black woman mayor. So that really that's really going well for her. That's uh, making her, you know, very, you know, popular in, in the community. And for her um, to be in politics for this long, especially in Texas politics, I think she does have a good name for herself and she's done a lot in the community. But John, he's been, you know, he's been in politics for longer than, she, yeah, 50 plus years. So, you know, he has a lot of name recognition. And, you know, I don't like to say this, but we all know, you know, politics is, you know, a popularity contest. So my question, Christian, is, is anybody going to vote in the city election? There's so much focus on the presidential campaign. Yeah. I mean, there are ads happening now. Less than a, about a year from now. Well, less than a yeah, year than because a year because primaries and states start. I mean, we'll have a pri- presidential primary in March yeah. in Texas. So as as well as our other primary races. So um, it feels like our city, our little city election is getting lost in the mix. Yeah. And we really need to remind people that I know y'all love to talk about presidents. I do. But guys, 
it's your water it's your sewer it's this your is close to home you gotta worry about the infrastructure um like that the bill that passed the infrastructure bill that biden passed you know there's a lot of they had to go back and reform that bill a lot but that money a lot of that money came to texas it comes to houston yeah to fix our infrastructure and those those politicians in um in congress at in washington you know they're not working close to him with the people of texas we have to have our own politicians that work hand in hand that are out there in the community listening to our voice and just budgeting the right way and managing the funds so that our communities can get back and not just specific neighborhoods. But the only way that they can do that is if you speak up. And if you're going to, you know, the city, uh, the city meetings, you can attend any meetings. So you can just show up, have your voice heard, have any problems being brought up to members in your community that are representing you. Because when it's flooding, you know, you don't want to be flooded out, your whole house flooded out. And you go to River Oaks and... You know, they're perfectly fine. They're sitting up on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> like me and you talked about during the during the April freeze. Um, was it last year or two years ago? Two years ago. During the April freeze two years ago. You know, I didn't have power. Me and my family didn't have power. I mean, a lot of my friends didn't have power nor water for over a week. And so, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't eat. I don't have a gas stove, so I couldn't eat food. I Everything was shut down. I had to wait hours in line for food to go to restaurants, and I had nothing to wa I couldn't wash my clothes. I couldn't do anything. And then I would go to downtown. Why are skyscrapers, oh, like, bright lights on downtown, but my electric's been off? These, there's no one in these buildings, Nancy, yet they have full power at night. I'm going to River Oaks. And that's Lights. local government. That's local yeah. and state government. And I just, I, I don't understand. I know the city elections are getting lost in the traffic. Yes, I is. get that, the traffic of politics. But people, speaking of traffic, that's local government that, I mean, I live in a neighborhood with a road called West Alabama, and to drive down West Alabama is to drive through a war zone. The yes. street is so cracked and buckled in Montrose that you can't hardly drive down it. And I need it fixed. I don't need to be waiting, you know, 20 years to get that street fixed. I have to drive 10 or 15 miles an hour down the street because it's that bad. You can't even go down one way of your street because it's completely <laughs> blocked off, man. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, we these are the day-to-day -day issues. And I get that homeowners tend to care a little bit more about garbage pickup. But the water we drink, yes. the, 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 the shower you take, even if you're a renter. The sewage systems, every time it's, flood, it's flooding, you know, there's trash, debris. Everything. And their city's not even there to take care of that. We, that the homeowner's is, job is to clean out their own stuff. But yeah, that's but the, it's the city's, city's job. job. And and we need you all to pay attention to the city election. I love how you brought up the trash. It's been over a week. And my trash is still out there on the corner. No one's picked it up. And I'm waiting for the city. I've called the city multiple times. I can't even get through. So, you know, this oh. is health concerns. Now, my my weekly trash gets picked up. Yeah. I have to say, once we only have trash pickup once a week, which most cities have it two to three yes. times a week. But we only have it once a week if you're in the city limits. But my recycling can take a month or two yeah. to pick up. So, but I live in a little nicer neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? 
you yeah, know I live, yeah, yeah i live in a little rougher part of so town. so your your regular garbage doesn't get picked up once a week and, and so these are the things that the mayor deals with the mayor and city council and we have six open city council seats and i just wanted to recommend to you all there's several voters guides out right now the Houston League of Women Voters has put their guide out, and you can access that. The Chronicle has begun their endorsements, and you can go there. And then HoustonLanding.org, which is a new nonprofit media entity in town, online publication, has probably one of the best mayoral voting guides I've seen in years, and it's really good. So I recommend the mayoral voting guide at houstonlanding.org so also there are a lot of forums the candidates will tell you they're going to forums every yes. day and sometimes two and three times a day which is true you've been to a lot of events yourself I, I, you've been busy with that i've been going to a number of forums and uh it's interesting to watch them i'm i'm starting to be able to give their speeches but then i only see i see them several times most voters will only see them once but it's a great opportunity to see these candidates in person and get to experience them directly. I have a question for you, Nancy. Um, so since you've been working in politics for many years, um, I'm pretty sure you have gained a personal connection with a lot of these candidates. Do you think as a voter, um, as an older, more mature voter, and you're more, you know, in, in, in time with the community and this these politicians and you know them on a personal level do you think that changes your opinion on how you're gonna vote i think it probably does i have known john whitmire my whole adult life um i've known congresswoman sheila jackson lee for decades i met her when i was in my 20s so uh you know, I've known them a long time. I've known Gilbert Garcia and Robert Gallegos as well, and even Lee Kaplan. Um, I've known all of these people for, for years. I know that's making your decision very hard. It, it's hard because I would say this. Across the board, they're 100% good people. Yes. So they're good people with good intentions. And trying to decipher for me which one of them I think would be the best mayor is, mm -hmm. is, is challenging because I do know them personally. Yeah. But I also know the city intimately, Christian, yeah. as you know. I mean, I can spite city, spout city codes like, like it were yeah. <laughs> nothing. And so I want to know that the person we elect is going to run Houston the best way possible because they're going to be there a minimum of four years, if not eight. Yeah. And so it's a tough decision. I won't be making an endorsement on our podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, man. I, I wouldn't want you to. I wouldn't want you to. I know for me personally, it is very difficult, but uh, a lot of these candidates, you know, they have the experience in politics. So for me, it's just, I'm trying to see what their personal platform is. You know, I, I researched their, how they have voted in the legislation they've passed in the past, um, what they've been doing in their communities. I like to see energy too, because, you know, like you said, these could be great people, great fathers, great people in their community, great mothers, great leaders, and whatever they're doing. But 
they've been working on a larger scale of people. You know, Houston, it, it is a bigger city, but this is still more close and personal. You know, lots of people care about whether or not their kids could get, you know, killed on their way to school. You know, they worry about, am I going to be able to afford a bill if my tires go out, if I need a new alignment? You know, just personal, everyday things. Because driving down the street will blow your yeah. tire out. So, you know, people caring more about the, you know, presidential election, you know, which is it's, it's important in its own, but these are close, personal things you have to deal with every day. You think if your tire blows out from... You know, the rough, nasty streets, you're going to call up, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Biden, say, hey, Joe, um, can you reimburse me on these tires? Can you help fix my streets? You know, you're yeah. probably not going to get an answer. But you got to talk closely with the members in your community that's representing you. You're the one that got them elected. You know, they're using your tax dollars. So you got to have a voice. So, Christian, I've been doing some historical voter research and the average turnout in the city of Houston open mayor's race is about 20, 21% of eligible voters. That is a small group of people. We're looking at 200,000 people will decide the direction of the city, unless you all get out there and vote. And there's millions of people in the local, in the election, so... Well, there are 1.1 million registered yeah, voters in Houston, in the city limits of Houston, and it's about 200,000 of them that will vote. And the name of this podcast is Default of Democracy. Are you going to let voter turnout be 20%? Are you going to let 200,000 people make the decision for 2 million yeah. people? Because... When we say registered voters, that's only 1 million of the 2.3 million population of the city, right? Yeah. And because young people can't yeah, vote. I was going to say, I was just Children can't vote. Um, but at the same time, 20% is abhorrent, frankly. And it's, don't even talk about, you're talking about 20%. Okay, out of those 20%, how many of those people are my age actually going out there and voting? Out of that 20%, those 200,000... It could be less than, what, 50? So what are you doing to fix that? I'm out in my community. I'm, you know, advocating the youth to go out and vote. You know, I'm uh, planning out events. I'm attending my school, letting people know about the upcoming early voting. I'm helping people get registered to vote. I'm doing everything I personally can to get my voice heard and let people know, you know, there's voting upcoming and that, you know, we're not going to sit around and complain. You know, all, you know what they say, you know what the older people say about the young, you know, we're lazy. We never want to, we never want to do anything. You know, we're just sitting on our butts, not, not doing anything. We don't even know anything about the politics. We don't care. We do care. It's just, you know, we have such busy lives and busy schedules, just like anyone else. We're in school while working, while doing other things. It's, it's a lot for, you know, we have a lot of barriers as, as young people. But that shouldn't be an excuse, you know. And, you know, Christian, you took my class at U of H on women in politics. And just last week I showed the movie, which tells the story of Alice Paul, who went on a hunger strike for women to get the right to vote. Very few people know about that. But 
I, one thing I'm really proud of, and I think you can vouch for this, is that you leave my class promising you'll never not vote, yeah. <laughs> that you will always cast your ballot. And, and I hope between us we're growing a generation of people that will vote. See, yeah, for me, you know, voting has always been a personal thing. Uh, my grandparents, you know, they weren't legally allowed to vote. So, you know, for me, I'm. On, it feels like I'm voting for them as well. You know, so, um, so they're some. They you know they're they're not. You know, they're getting older now, so it's you know it's hard for them to get out and vote. But they're still doing their due diligence. Um, some of them has passed. Some of my family members who couldn't uh, weren't allowed to legally vote. They weren't able to do that. So, you know, I feel like I'm representing myself and my community and my um, family's legacy by continuing to vote and keep that going. So ever since I turned 18, I got registered to vote. I've been voting every single primary, general, every single election, school board. I don't care, Nancy. If it's if it's something I can have a say in, I'm going to vote because it's my right as a citizen to vote. And I'm going to do it. I just I just want to make a little bit of a joke. Last podcast, which I got great feedback on, by the way, you and I had a discussion about the boomers won't get out of the way. Yeah. And I'm sad to say I think that's true of our mayor's race. We don't really have a younger candidate. That Everyone is older than me, actually, yeah. for the most part, with one exception. Um, and so, you know, I'm sorry that's the case, but... Hey, you still got to vote. Yeah, you can't you just vote. be mad about the boomers not getting out of the way. Do not let that become a deterrent. <laughs> you got to go out and vote. I know, you know, these are older people. You probably think, you know, oh, they don't understand us young people. You know, it really is hard for them to understand. You know, they're trying their best. Trust me, they are. I've talked to a lot of the politicians. Um, You know, they're trying their best. And even with, you know, the Beto election, you know, he tried to appeal towards the youth, but, you know, it's hard for the youth to turn out and vote for him. So I think it's getting better. And we're we're going to pray our podcast yes. is making even if we just get one person to go vote who never who hasn't voted in a city election before. We're happy. Yes. So but we do remind you that this is why we talk about the default of democracy is that when people choose not to participate in the system, you're casting a vote in a different way. And that's why all of our politics from from the federal and yeah. international level to city hall are as messed up and complicated as they are today. So we'll sign off for this week with please, please, please prepare, study, and cast your ballot. I'm going to say it again. Early voting, uh, early voting starts October the 23rd. It ends on November the 3rd. And election day is November the 7th. So please get out and vote. Do everything you need to do. Make sure that you're registered to vote as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure some there's only a certain amount of people that are eligible for the mail-in ballots. You have to be like 65 years or older. So um, if you haven't done that, or is the deadline already came for that? No, I think you can still request ballot yeah so um if you're you can still request a ballot as well so make sure that you're eligible to vote and um ready to vote and just get out there and do what you have to do take the time out of your day study up on whoever you need to study up on and get out there and do your due diligence and do not default on democracy
Thank you. This is Nancy Sims. And it's Christian Chamir, and we're signing off.